Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Tired of the grocery store? Looking to spice up dinners? HelloFresh delivers delicious ingredients and easy recipes straight to your door. Take $40 off your first box at positiveimpactpodcast.com fresh. You'll be enjoying cooking again in no time. Today I have yet another powerful mover and shaker in the house. Charlene Espinoza is the visionary, founder, and CEO championing Bosch Bosch. This organization is much more than your typical social enterprise. Bosch Bosch works to educate, empower girls and women in Liberia. Basically, they're empowering them to restore their war-torn communities. Charlene has grown Bosch Bosch from a girls' club during her service as a Peace Corps member to a thriving business. Recently, she had the honor of introducing the President and First Lady as they launched the Let's Girl Learn initiative. They are empowering women and leaders to change the face of Liberia. Charlene, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So you're a Peace Corps member serving in Liberia. Mm -hmm. What inspired you to create Bosch Bosch? What kind of need did you encounter while you were there? Well, basically, um, so as a Peace Corps volunteer, your assignment is to be there for two years. So your three initial months are of training. So you get to live with a Liberian uh, host family for three months. And that's where you really get immersed in the whole culture. You learn how to cook. Liberian food, you learn, you know, their dialect. Um, I was assigned to be an English teacher. So prior to Peace Corps, I was a designer, so I didn't really have any teaching experience. So that's when you actually get training on lesson planning, how to teach, um, and how to be a teacher pretty much. So uh, it was there in my my first three months that I was living in Liberia, living with my, my host family, that I saw the challenges that girls and women face on a like constant and daily basis. Um, Most of them are expected to stay home, cook, clean, wash, all the typical chores that you have. Um, And a lot of the male or the boys are expected to go to school. So the girls are are pretty much left behind. In your guys' mission statement, you talk about three different areas that are really creating challenges in Liberia. Uh, Poverty, no education, and unemployment. Can you kind of bring those to alive for us? Yeah, so Liberia is a very interesting country. They um, suffered from a 14-year civil war, which basically destroyed their entire infrastructure. And because of that, the education system was pretty much broken, and an entire generation wasn't going to school during that time. So, every, I mean, everyone's kind of left without no education. When I was a teacher there... I was teaching from 7th to ninth grade, and I had, for example, in my 7th grade, I had anywhere from an 11-year-old to a 28, 29-year-old. So the age, the age ranges from, you know, all over the place. And the reason is because, you know, they, were going, they weren't going to school. So within that classroom, you had, you know, challenges with um, students that knew how to read and write and students that had no idea how to even write their their name. So that was really challenging. Um, also, the country faces roughly around 80% unemployment. So there's really no jobs out there for, for Liberians. So a lot of them you know, just focus on farming, agriculture, but it, it's not to the point yet where 
um, it's sustainable. So those are, you know, very challenging things for Liberians. Some of the challenges you're describing, obviously they affected the entire population. But yet Bosch Bosch really works on empowering girls. Mm -hmm. Why that kind of narrow focus? Well, I mean, I don't know if you all know, but obviously when you educate a girl, you're educating, you know, your entire community. Um, when you educate women especially, they're more likely to invest all their profits. It's roughly around 80% of their profits are reinvested back in their community, their family, and therefore, you know, that's how there's like this ripple effect that goes on. Um, So I really wanted to focus on girls' education because I saw that girls weren't going to school or they were getting pregnant at a very early age or they just didn't have the financial means to pay tuition people earn less than one dollar a day if you're even working i have to admit that quote if you educate if you educate a girl you educate an entire community is one of my favorite quotes Mm -hmm. and i'm so excited to see that come alive through an organization especially an organization that is so multifaceted as bash bash so if we could take a moment and if you could really describe for us the different pillars that bash bash has because while you guys create bags and you have this enterprise piece really you have different foundations that empower these women and girls through all aspects of their life we started this very small little girls club with the intention of teaching girls a trade which is sewing and um, especially because in liberia sewing is a very um, male profession um, which is very interesting because we all imagine, you know, seamstresses and it's such a feminine thing. But in Liberia, I would say most of West Africa, uh, the males are the ones actually who are making all the clothing. Um, so there's a, a lot of tailors. So the profession of sewing or that trade was a, um, I thought that was going to be a very empowering skill to teach girls and have the opportunity for girls to learn something that the boys usually did. Um, and then... On top of that, I really wanted to not only just give or transfer skills to girls, but also find a way where we could produce something so we can actually sell that product and then receive funding from there so we can give scholarships for girls. That's really where the idea um, was was about. So we started a girls club. We were teaching girls how to sew by hand at first. I asked a uh, a local tailor to come and and teach us because I at the time obviously I didn't know how to sew I'm not I'm not even hand sewing I'm not even good at that honestly but I had the idea and I knew that you know we can build something around that so um, I asked the tailor to come and help us and we had no funding to purchase fabrics so what we did is I just asked him to bring all his scraps of fabrics and from there we started making bags out of a patchwork design which is how the name came about because the local people, when they saw the bags, um, they saw it, they started calling it Pash Pash. Oh, it's a Bash Bash, Bash Bash. And I asked, I was like, what, what does that mean? And they were like, oh, when you put fabrics together. So I, I, you know, I came to realize that they were trying to say Patch Patch. So literally we started from scraps and therefore we, you know, named the project Bosch Bosch because it, you know, we started from that. Um, once we started making bags, uh, the volunteers were really the ones, the Peace Corps volunteers were the ones purchasing our products. From there, the word spread to the capital city, which is Monrovia. Um, we started producing more bags based out of demand. We then 
hired more local women. Um, we formed a production team, and we try to target women in the community who don't or didn't have the opportunity to go to school, so most of them are illiterate. And what we do is we also give them um, night classes, so we offer a whole like educational component to our organization where all our members are receiving um, after-school programs, they're receiving business finance workshops, monthly workshops. We're very focused on education. So it's not so much that we're just making and creating bags. Um, we're actually you know, educating women and girls in the rural communities, which is um, where there's most need of. And we also partner with um, other women organizations and artisans that don't have access to market to promote their own materials so what we do is we purchase their materials and incorporate it into our own designs therefore making our product more authentically Liberian Um, so so yeah we do a ton of stuff we have a social entrepreneurship project that the girls started on their own where they make these beautiful stars uh, made out of recycled materials and the cool thing about this um, star program which is the name of it is that 60% of each a cell of the star goes into a community service project that the girls get to implement themselves. So they open a a bank account, which is under the the star program. And what they do is they identify a need within their community. For example, last year they said that their entire school needed a a paint job. So with the funding of um, what they received from the stars, they got together and over an entire course of a weekend, they just painted their entire school. So we're really trying to teach them about community service, about how to give back to their community and those around them because they are benefiting a lot from our programs. Um, So we want to teach them also, you know, the importance of giving, giving back to everyone else. That's such a detailed and great analysis. You're really working with them as an entire person and saying all the ways that you can add value to their life. And I just wanted to make sure that we really drove home that point because it is something that is so, so unique to Bosh Bosh. What I'd love to talk about next then is the impact that you're having. And with this, um, going back to that idea of if you educate a girl, you educate educate an entire community. How are you seeing that come alive through Bosh Bosh? Wow. I mean, I don't even know where to start, honestly. So, I mean, I had the opportunity to live there for three years. So I, I saw firsthand the, the impact that we were able to have through through Bosh Bosh on you know, through our scholars, which we like to call scholars, those are the female students that we sponsor to go to school, and through all our members, really, the production team, our education team, our management and sales team, everyone has a story, and you can see the impact that we've had through them uh, in so many ways. Um, I mean, it's very empowering to see when you actually transfer skills to a woman or a girl and they put that in action is just mind-blowing because you know we've had most of our women in our production team pretty much all of them came from very abusive relationships and you know they didn't this was pretty much their first job that they've ever had so they weren't earning any income before they weren't educated um came from abusive relationship their children weren't going to school through our program we give we offer them scholarships as well for their own children so once you know we they started to receive their own income to get educated to you know have 
um, their children in school, they just became more empowered and they became more confident and they were just a completely different person. And most of them like left their husbands or some of them like learned how to how to work through their problems and and, um, you know, have their husbands or boyfriends respect them. And they actually did respect them because they were the ones who were making the money at the end of the day. So it's just those are the tangible things that you or I got to see on a daily basis how the women were just being transformed into these beautiful ladies who just, you know, would stand up for themselves nonetheless and who believed in themselves and knew that they could have a better life through this organization and through education most of all. When you when you empower women through employment, when you give them a job to do, they just feel like they're you know, they're able to learn by themselves and they're able to do something. And that's what really motivates me to keep going because it's not like we have this organization across the world where I don't really know them. I know everyone by name. Like they, they're all my family. Like I consider them my family. I lived there for three years. So they, they are my friends. They are my sisters. You know, there are the people that I lived with. So I obviously care about them and I want the best for them. You described how one of the most empowering pieces for you is the stories about all these friends, sisters um, that you've gotten to know. Is there a certain scholar's story that resonates with you the most? Wow. Yeah, no, I would say all of them. But let's see. Um, We have, for example, we have Bendu, which I think you read on our blog. Bendu is amazing. I love Bendu. She um, she started with us like ever since the beginning, which was um, back in 2012 when we started the Girls Club. One of our scholars brought her along, and she was living in her community. And uh, Vivian, one of our scholars, which is Vivian, she brought Bendu along, and she was like, oh, uh, Miss Goma, that's my African name. Everyone calls me Miss Goma because I was a teacher. They're like, Miss Goma, can, can we have Bendu join our club? You know, she's not doing anything at home. She's not going to school. She was older at the time. Um, so, you know, just give her something to do. And, you know, she, she knows how to sew a little bit. So she wanted to come with me. And I was like, great, perfect. Like, have her join. So she started with us like that. And she got behind the machine, which is a pedal machine because we have no electricity. So it's like the old singer butterfly machines that you see like in the 1800s and she got behind the machine and she just started pedaling away and started learning how to make bags and ever since that day like she started coming every day to our to our girls club and eventually then when we you know started to try to meet the demand we employed her and we gave her a position within the production team she was actually one of the first people we started with um the tailor and bendu and bendu was very 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 shy very timid very quiet i remember when i first met her i could just barely hear her name like i would say like oh what's your name and she was like bendu and like very i was like wait can you just say that a little bit louder and she was just like you know under this shell and little by little she just blossomed into this woman who's just now you speak to her and she's like the most confident out of the entire group like she speaks her mind she um makes her voice known she suggests what she thinks should change within 
you know, um, our programs or what, what things we should incorporate and implement. She was in a very abusive relationship and now she's not with her boyfriend anymore because she knows that she deserves a respect and she can make her own money and she doesn't have to depend on him anymore. Um, her children are in school now because of our program as well, because we, we offer scholarships to all our, our, all of our, our employees and, it's just beautiful to see that. Like, I remember when I first met Bendu, like she had two small children and they were basically in rags. They didn't have clothing and they weren't going to school. I asked her like, Oh, are your children in school? And she's like, no, I just don't have the money to like, you know, give them the education. And, and now you see them and they're like super happy. They're, you know, like just running around school with their uniform and they come into the, to our production team with their, um, school books and they're there reading and they're, they just seem so happy. And to be able to see that has been, you know, pretty, pretty amazing, pretty empowering for me, at least. To have been there and to really witness that transformation, I can't even imagine, especially knowing that you were a piece in helping facilitate that. Mm-hmm. How did her transformation and empowering her help empower other girls and women throughout the community? Well, obviously, I mean, Salala, which is the community where I used to live in, and that's where Bosh Bosh is established, is a is a pretty fairly small community, so everyone knows each other. And uh, everyone knew that Bendu, back in 2012, was a very shy young woman, and now she's very um, independent, very confident. So that's actually motivated a lot of her own neighbors to, um, you know, also get an education also you know want to go to school and want to be a part of our organization as well we always have ladies and um, young girls come to us and want to be a part of our organization but unfortunately right now we're too small to really um, try to incorporate everyone but at some point we will be at that point we want to try to bring in as many girls and women as we could possibly can but um I think the really beautiful thing is that Bendu has also become like a teacher in her community, I would say. Um, She didn't know how to read or write when she first came to us. And through our night classes that we offer to our all our members, um, she now she now knows how to read, how to write. And she's been also teaching her her neighbors. The last time I. Um, one of the times that I went to go visit her at her house, she was <laughs> teaching um, her neighbor how to write her name and how to, you know, write a paragraph. And it was pretty, it was just, it was pretty amazing to see that. So exciting. One of the things you touched on was this really small community, especially mm-hmm. with Bendu. Everyone knew her as this very timid woman and they got to watch her transformation too. So especially with that small of a community, what have you witnessed as forms of it changing as Bosh Bosh has grown? Um, so for example, with our STAR program, which is the um, social entrepreneurship project that our girls are doing, um, this is all focused on community service. So again, we're trying to teach our girls how to give back to their community, whether it's through like painting their school or whether it's purchasing trash cans for their community health clinic or um, purchasing more books for their library. It's just about giving back. And when they actually do it, 
they become more empowered themselves. I remember their first project, which was painting their school. At first, they were a little like, okay, well, we'll see how this goes, you know, like typical teenagers, like, okay, well, let's do it over this weekend. When they were finished, well, during the, the entire process, they just had a ton of fun. You could see that they were really excited to actually see the paint on the wall and to see like their that their school was becoming more vibrant, more vibrant and more colorful it was just um, something pretty cool to see, you know, through them. And once they finished and like the next day that they went to school and all their classmates were like, oh, my God, you painted the school. Thank you so much. Like everyone was coming up to them. That's when they realized they were like, wow, like we actually did make a difference. We're like we're making our classmates happy. We're actually doing something good within our community. And that's when, you know, they became empowered to actually do more. So now they're constantly thinking of new ideas of new projects within their community. And it's it's just amazing to see that. It's very contagious, too. So all the other all their friends are trying to like also do little things. You're fostering good and it's catching on. That's mm-hmm. so exciting. Yeah. One of the things you brought up earlier was that you spent three months in Liberia just learning the culture. Was that beneficial as you kind of then moved into your three year of service? No, for sure. I think I think the way the Peace Corps has it set up is great. Um, I remember when I first applied for Peace Corps and I found out that it was a two year, three month commitment. I was like, oh my God, that's so long. <laughs> but you know, honestly, living in a developing country and, and working as a volunteer, you like two years is not enough. And that's why I, ex- I extended for a third year. If you really want to make an impact and if you really want to make a difference, you need a long time. You know, you need to immerse yourself in the in the culture and the country. You need to build those relationships and those friendships in order to earn your their trust and those initial three months that I got to spend with my Liberian host family were the most important, I would say, because that's really where I learned how to um, just immerse myself in their lifestyle and uh, get to understand, you know, how they lived and what they did on a daily basis and simple things like cooking or going to the market or going to church with them and things like that are just so important because that's really... Those are very important for them. That's what they do. So for them to have me be a part of that, that's when they really start to accept you. And you also learn a lot more through the, you know, all these activities that you get to do with them. So I loved it. My Liberian host family is basically my family. Like I have my African grandmother and my sister and my mother. And um, they were the ones who gave me my African name, which is Goma and, um, that's the name that I carried with me to my community and that's how everyone knows me as Miss Goma so that's my name in Liberia (laughs) Miss Goma Mm -hmm. I like it that's really great when you were there especially during that beginning time were there any misconceptions about Liberia that you kind of encountered things that you thought you'd see that you didn't Yes, for sure. I remember when I first got my invitation to serve in Liberia. Um, I honestly have to admit that I didn't really know too much about Liberia. I knew that it was in Africa, which I was really excited about because I wanted to serve in a country um, on the African continent. And when you first or back then, you didn't get to decide where you would serve. It's uh, just an invitation that you get. 
because the whole point is that if you want to be a Peace Corps volunteer, you get to serve anywhere in the 70-plus countries that Peace Corps is in, which I was all about. But secretly, I really wanted to go to Africa. So when I got my uh, Liberia invitation, um, I remember going on Google and looking up Liberia, and everything that I found was, you know, about the 14 years Civil War, child soldiers, murders, war, and it was like the worst of the worst. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so... I assume that if <laughs> I assume that if Peace Corps sent in me there, I think it's safe, right? But yeah, I was a little nervous because it was all pretty negative, everything that I found online. But once I got there, it was completely different. People are just the most awesome. It's just the most awesome culture, I, I have to say. They're very humble. They're very warm. They're very festive. Um, Liberians love Americans too. Uh, Liberia has a very close relationship with uh, the United States. It was founded from the freed American, freed African slaves, so um, their culture is built up from the the American um, culture as well. So, I think that also helped, as well as Peace Corps in Liberia has a really really good reputation um, because prior to the 14 year civil war. There were around 200 to 300 Peace Corps volunteers. So a lot of the older Liberians um, had a Peace Corps teacher while they were growing up. So sometimes, you know, when we would travel in the bush taxi, which is what we call it, it's just public transportation, and they would see us, we're like the only white people in a taxi, um, they would be like, are you a Peace Corps volunteer? And we're like, yes. They're like, wow, oh my God, thank you so much for you know, leaving your country and coming across the world to teach our children. And we know that you have everything there and you're here living with us. And thank you. Thank you for doing that. And just to hear that would almost bring tears to my eyes because they were so grateful. They didn't even know me. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. And yet here we were in a taxi and they were just saying thank you to me for being there. And that just that speaks a lot for for the Liberian culture that they appreciate you know people that are coming to help them and it was just it was the most um, you know it was the best experience in my life just living in Liberia for three years it definitely is my second home and and um I would say I speak very highly of of Liberia in general that idea of gratitude it is such a beautiful quality just on anyone and to have an entire culture, an entire community express that must have been just such a great experience. Mm-hmm. With that note, I'd love to talk about the bags because you guys make gorgeous bags that are super colorful and really beautiful. So can you walk us through what it takes to create one of these bags? Yes, for sure. It's definitely, I'll, I'll take you step by step. It's quite an adventure. Um, so we live two hours away from Monrovia, which is the capital city. And, uh, in order to purchase materials, we have to get on a, uh, back then we had to get on a, a public, uh, taxi. So public transportation was our, our main, um, mode of transportation. And, uh, mind you that when I say public taxi, it's more like 
there's five people in the back seat, two people in the passenger seat, sometimes two people, you know, someone sharing the same seat as a driver. So it's quite an adventure. As the driver? Oh, so yeah. two people in the driver's seat. Yes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that would be a first. And then you have chickens and goats in the back. So just, you know, leaving my community to go to the capital was always, always an adventure. It's um, usually takes around two hours to get there, but it always depends on obviously if it's raining or if the taxi didn't fall apart. And, you know, sometimes it'll take six hours to get there. Once you arrive to Monrovia, you go to um, the the big market, which is called Waterside. And that's where we purchase all the fabrics, which all the all the colorful fabrics that you see on our bags and it's just a very chaotic and adventurous market because there's like thousands of people trying to buy, trying to sell, and it's like all your senses are just stimulated by everything. So um, you go there, we, we, we purchase the fabrics, get back in a public uh, taxi, and then go back to our community. And um, we make all the bags with pedal machines, so we have no electricity, so they're all made from these old sewing machines as well as all the bags are are ironed with the cold they're called the they're called cold irons there so you put coal in these irons and you're basically blowing them it's very rustic but it's it's a pretty cool um process i would have to say and um yeah and all the bags are, are pretty much handmade by our production team members we also partner with other artisans and women organizations in our community that produce their own materials such as tie and dye or batik or country cloth which is a very um, tight woven material it's very sturdy and we use that for our bags as well Uh, there's another organization that works with uh, crushed um, crushed recycled glass so they make these beautiful beads out of that and we use those beads for our buttons or you know just as decorative pieces so what we're really trying to do is support other organizations other artisans that don't have that access to market and we incorporate that into our own designs so we can you know build our um our products to be authentically handmade in liberia one of the things that I want to just highlight before I move to my next question is the quality. These are some serious bags that you make. And you yourself carry around your computer, books, and bags. Mm-hmm. This is some high-quality bags. <laughs> One of the things that is interesting about your distribution strategy, uh, two weeks ago we interviewed Alicia Wallace of All Across Africa, and their platform is connecting African artisans with a global market but you've really fostered and created an internal market. Can you touch on that? Yeah, no, for sure. So we basically um, make and sell all our products in Liberia. And I would have to say it's gone it's gone very well. We've been very successful at it. Um, I'll rewind a little bit. So when I first arrived to Liberia, I noticed uh, that there weren't a lot of handmade Liberian products. Everything was being imported from Mali or from Ghana, from Senegal, Kenya, other parts of, of, of Africa. And I thought that was really interesting. I, you know, I came with the idea that, oh, wow, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to Liberia. I'm not going to bring any jewelry. I'm not going to bring any bags with me because I'm just going to find everything there. Well, not quite to my expectation. Um, the reason, again, is, is because of the 14-year civil war. Everything was destroyed. Um, 
Liberia isn't really producing much much of anything. So I knew that there was a market because although Liberia doesn't have tourism, it has a very high international aid presence. So all the international aid organizations like USA, USA USAID, CARE, World Vision, like Peace Corps, like everyone is there in Liberia. So there you have a lot of foreigners that are that are living there for permanently or for a couple months and there's no souvenirs or nothing really to buy. So that's really where the idea came from. I'm so glad you bring that because that was actually my next question is how well it's been received not only in the community that you started in, but across the country. Yeah, no, it's been very well received. Um, I was just in Liberia actually um, all of July. So last year, 2014, August of last year of 2014, we all got evacuated due to the Ebola outbreak. So I hadn't been back to uh, Liberia for for an entire year, basically. But um, even though I wasn't there, I was working with them, you know, from from here, from San Diego. And uh, when I was there for the entire month of July, and we um, I got to interact with a lot of our new customers and a lot of the new supporters that we we had in Liberia. I asked them, like, so how do you know about our our organization? And they would answer, everyone knows about Bosch Bosch. I mean, you guys have a great mission and your products are just so amazing that this is what everyone does when either you arrive to Liberia, you purchase Bosch Bosch, or when you leave Liberia, you purchase Bosch Bosch. So that was really cool to see, you know, everyone, um, the word, the word spread pretty fast and we have a, we have a good reputation on the ground. Again, blown away with all of the work that you guys do and the community impact that you've been able to make. Before jumping into the rapid fire, a quick resource and tool for you as you grow your business. One of the most challenging things out there can be around branding and marketing and really telling your story in a way that resonates with customers. To help, we've built a comprehensive ideal customer worksheet to help you walk through all the different steps in identifying your customer. Download your free copy at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash branding. Hang out with us there and you're also going to find information about a brand new branding guide for young businesses, all giving you the tools to make that positive impact in your business. And now for that rapid fire. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. What was a recent adventure or excursion that you've gone on? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> Liberia for sure. <laughs> Liberia is always an adventure. Um, like I said, I was there for an entire month and uh, just getting back into the public transportation, riding those uh, bush taxis where you share with so many people, that was quite an experience. Um, I would say like life in Liberia is just a daily adventure. Um, I got to go to my friend's farm, which is in the rural area. It was probably like around an hour away from our community. And just getting there was quite an adventure because it's 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 rainy season right now in Liberia. So you have six months of rain and six months of dry season. So um, just the journey to get to her farm took us three hours versus one hour because we like the the path to go to her farm was pretty much flooded so we got pretty innovative quick and we used this like little boat to um that we carried with us through our, through our entire walk there and it was a good boat i have to say like it was it was 
pretty fun. I've never had to carry this like little boat with us uh, so we can get to someone's farm. So that was an adventure. That sounds like an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll count that. <laughs> so when you travel to Liberia, what is one must-have item that you always pack? Possibly in your Bosch Bosch bag. Um, I always pack... Uh, dried mango fruit you know the ones that you you get in trader joe's i love that because um it's pretty everything is really expensive in the capital city so things as far as like fruit although you can get in liberia but everything is seasonal um i always have a craving for for these mango strip dried strip fruits or whatever it is so i always i always carry that with me along with other snacks that i know that you know i'm gonna be missing and craving because uh, I remember when I was a Peace Corps volunteer and people would ask me, are you missing your home? Like, are you missing your family, your friends? I go, oh my God, I'm sure you're missing them. And, and yeah, I was missing them. But what you most miss, what you miss the most really is food. I would have to say, like, I think all of us Peace Corps volunteers were just dreaming about like, you know, the foods that we, we could easily access here in, in the United States. And it's not, <laughs> it's not in Liberia. So I always make sure to bring snacks with me. <laughs> I have to admit, that'd be me. I would need my food. So you were very boots on the ground, but odds are that you weren't necessarily wearing boots. What is your must-have shoes for when going... What are your must-have shoes when you go trekking in Liberia? You know what? You're not going to believe it, but um, just regular sandals. They sell these sandals in the market um, in my community for, let's see, it's under $2 for a pair. And um, I think it's really funny because when I first went to Liberia, I bought these really expensive REI, you know, sandals that were for trekking and water resistance and super fancy. And I can't remember how much I spent. And for some reason, those shoes did not last in Liberia. But the market shoes that I bought for $2 were amazing. So I honestly, you know, I just, I can't wait to go to the market in Liberia when I, when I go to Liberia and just buy those $2 sandals. They are super resistant and they're just great for walking around. It's very humid and hot in Liberia. So you just, all you want to do is just wear sandals. You can't wear clothes, shoes or boots or anything. It's, it's too hot. Um, so I recommend the $2 sandals in the market. All right. <laughs> You guys have done so much for these communities in Liberia and so much transformational change. But if you had to, what has been one of the biggest successes that you've had with Bosch Bosch? That's a good question. The most, the biggest success. Um, I would say just giving these women and girls the opportunity to believe in themselves to remind them and to give them the tools that they can do it on their own. I think that's been the, the biggest success that we've been able to do because let's say if Bosch Bosch weren't, you know, didn't exist tomorrow, at least we were able to change these women and girls' lives because they now have the tools to succeed they believe in themselves, and I think that when you believe in yourself, you can do anything you set up yourself to do. And that's the most important thing that, that we've done so far. What advice do you have for recent grads who are looking for meaningful careers? Just do it. Believe in yourself. I think that 
um, people get too wrapped up in what if this or what if that or how am I going to do this and and honestly it's really simple it sounds so cliche but just do it great sentiment if you had a book to recommend to either social entrepreneurs or people who want to make an impact in the world what book would you recommend um I personally really got inspired by Half the Sky, which is uh, written by Nicholas Kristof. And I actually read that book when I was uh, a Peace Corps volunteer in Liberia and when I just started Bosch Bosch. So that um, is a very inspiring book to me because you get to read about all the challenges that you face as an entrepreneur, as a person that wants to create change and wants to make change and um, the daily challenges that you just face and I really recommend that book. Um, it's, it's a beautiful storyline, and it just there's several stories in that book that you can um, you know relate with, and they're all from uh, different in different countries, and and it's just an incredible book. I really recommend that. Was there a mantra or a motto that really guides your work with Bosch Bosch? Uh, yeah, I. I think that um, when things, you know, get pretty challenging and you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Because, <laughs> you know, as, an, as a social entrepreneur, that's what uh, a lot of us are, like, are always saying, like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but honestly, it's just I always tell myself and I go back to this that um, I believe in my dreams. Um, I'm a big believer in and the things that we do and I know that Bosch Bosch as far as has been able to create um, change in these women and girls lives and that for me has been the most motivating thing when things get very hard and um, sometimes I'm just like oh my god I don't know if I can keep going I just think back on you know all the girls and all the the women that I've met in Liberia and and that's all I have to do just think of them and that's what keeps me going how do people get a hold of you connect with bosh bosh or find these incredible bags that you guys create so we have a website it's called www.boshbosh.org so it's b-o-s-h b-o-s-h dot org um we also have an instagram it's uh the bosh bosh project uh we also have a facebook which we keep very active and that's where we have an album um, which is uh, under the Bosch Bosch project as well. So you can send us an email through there and then you can uh, order your bag. We have Twitter and all the social media. So yeah, boshbosh.org. <laughs> Charlene, thank you so much. You have been an incredible guest, the stories you shared today. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that incredible take on the impact that Bosh Posh is making not only with individual women, but throughout an entire community and an entire nation. For all of the resources mentioned today and a couple stunning photos of the women working for Bosh Bosh, head on over to our show notes page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash Bosh Bosh. That's B-O-S-H-B-O-S-H. 
Now, we have a special new sponsor for today's episode, and it is directly tied to what Charlene was talking about with the impact that she was able to take from Peace Corps, leveraging that experience to create a meaningful social enterprise. We are co-hosting Journey to Social Entrepreneurship on January 18th in celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Now, this is a week-long free virtual summit highlighting 20 change makers who leverage a variety of different service terms to create a meaningful social enterprise. That website is journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com. If you're listening to the replay a little bit after, head to that website and we're going to have replay information for you. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.